The Holy Gospel this morning is recorded in John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. It will also serve as our sermon text. When they heard Jesus say in previous verses, The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, Does this cause you to stumble in your faith? What if you would see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is given to him by my Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus asked the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, what gets your attention? After three weeks of promos for a new television show, do you turn in? And if you do, how long does it take you to realize that you're hooked? Or how long does it take you to change the channel and forget about it if the show turns out to be a dud after the first couple blockbuster episodes? Well, during the first year of Jesus' ministry, Jesus inspired a lot of curiosity and excitement. There was a high level of wow everywhere he went. Whether or not people understood that he was the Messiah, whether or not they understood why he had actually come, nobody could deny, not even Jesus' enemies, that there was something special about him. The way he spoke, the things about which he spoke, the miracles, the way he used scripture to defeat every trap that his enemies laid for him. It all dropped jaws, drew viewers, and opened ears. Whatever they believed about Jesus exactly, they were impressed by him initially. But then later in Jesus' ministry, a lot of that wow turned to ugh. For two years, crowds had followed him eagerly, watching and listening for what would come next. But then came the day that Jesus topped what anybody could have expected. Not just a miracle affecting a single individual with a disability or a handicap, but he fed thousands of families on five loaves of bread and two fish. Now that was a miracle that could have political implications, not so. After that 
particular miracle, the crowds were so impressed by him, they were going to take him by force and make him into their king, the kind of king that they had been waiting for. Now, even those with a rudimentary religious upbringing knew that for thousands of years, God had been promising the Israelites a savior. But most of them were looking for the wrong kind of savior. They were expecting the kind of Savior who would pull them out of a hard-scrabble existence and give them food for their bellies and health for their bodies. They were not looking for the kind of Savior who would feed their souls with God's word and heal them from the disease of their sin, which is why Jesus the Messiah had actually come. But Jesus did care about their bodies. That's why he fed the 5,000 people that way. He did care for their physical health. That's why he had healed so many of their diseases and their physical disabilities like blindness and deafness. As significant as those miracles were for the people on the receiving end of them, they were temporary. Those people would still die and would still face the judgment. So Jesus' goal was not to win short-term tactical victories over pain and physical suffering. His goal was to win the war for us, to conquer sin, death, and Satan. In order to do that, Jesus could not sit on a throne in Galilee and hand out loaves of bread. He had to go to the cross in Jerusalem. So Jesus resisted the crowd's efforts to make him their earthly king. He actually fled from them. But the next day, the crowds caught up to him and peppered him with questions. And that's when Jesus laid it all out for them. Starting with a concept that they clearly understood, he explained that he was here to give them bread, but not really for their stomachs. He was giving himself as spiritual bread. Students of rhetoric understand that Jesus was using what we call synecdoche, or a small part of something to represent all of it. Like when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, and the catechism explains that daily bread means everything that we need for our body and life. Jesus calling himself bread means that he is everything that we need for our life, especially life for our soul. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus had come from his Father in heaven in order to be the bread of eternal life. Whoever eats this bread from heaven, whoever takes Jesus in by faith, will live Not with carbohydrate energy that lasts maybe 90 minutes or protein energy that maybe lasts a whole day, but with eternal life that never runs out, souls that never die, bodies that are raised perfect on the last day. But again, that's not what the crowds wanted to hear. They were more concerned about their relationship with hunger and their dysfunctional relationship with Caesar than they were about their relationship with God. The crowd's response to Jesus' attempt to redirect their thoughts was to simply stop listening. 
if you had been there, you probably could have felt the excitement seep out of that crowd like air out of a deflating balloon. The wow factor turned into, ugh, what kind of crazy talk is this? It wasn't just the disappointed and uncommitted crowds that trudged away. Jesus had a group of disciples who had been training to go out and spread the good news in the mission field of Galilee and beyond. And even for them, for many of Jesus' followers, faith evaporated. They turned away from him too, wondering how could this man Jesus promise them life without end just by believing in him? It says, when they heard it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? After this, many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. Literally, those disciples were people who had walked many miles with Jesus, had eaten with him, and witnessed his miracles. They had listened to him and they watched him. But now a lie was working its way into their hearts saying that there was no way that Jesus could be who he was claiming to be. It simply defied their logic, and it defied their reason. So even Jesus' own disciples started turning away. But it didn't happen back then only. There is a lie that says that Jesus cannot be who he claims to be, the source of eternal life through faith in him, And this lie has made its way into many churches today, in many congregations. Jesus' claim that he is the source of life without end is ignored. Teachers in those churches teach that the important thing is not what we believe, but how we live. Though those churches have not abandoned the name Christian, they've abandoned the central message of Jesus' teaching. And once they've done that, they can't honestly be called Christian. Not after they reject or ignore Jesus' claim to be God's Son and the only source of salvation. But even in faithful congregations, where the work of saving souls is still being done, individual members sometimes turn and walk away from Jesus. One day they stand before the altar. They promise to remain faithful, even to die, rather than falling away from the Savior. Sometimes they fall away immediately after that promise. And sometimes it happens gradually, as the concerns of career or comfort or whatever crowd out the joy that they once knew from Jesus' message. Faith can be quickly extinguished. But more often, it slowly fades away until nothing is left. The point of talking about this is not so that we might shake our heads at other churches or feel superior in any way to those who have walked away. Heaven forbid, there but for the grace of God go I. We mention this only to make the point that what happened in John chapter 6 still happens today just as it has happened in each generation since Jesus himself addressed those crowds. Rather than feeling superior to anybody who has walked away, we should admit that everybody 
experiences doubts about Jesus' words at times. We have a sinful nature that cannot accept Jesus' claim that he is the bread from heaven who gives eternal life. Not one of us here can say that he or she was never tempted to walk away. And every time that we sin or doubt, we are starting to walk away, aren't we? But the same gracious words of Jesus that cause so many to leave also draw his own closer to him. God's word has a double effect. It drives some away and others it draws closer to him. Jesus turned to his smaller, faithful group of 12 disciples with a question. You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. When God created the world, his son was there creating the world too. Through him all things were made, we confess. He simply spoke words, let there be, and there was. There was light, there was dirt, stars, lions, butterflies, the entire universe, infinitely beyond our brain's ability to understand. God just spoke and made that all happen. That's the power of God's word. When you hold your Bible, you are holding in your hands every word that God wanted to share with the world. When the word of God is taught to you, Jesus' divine power is behind that message. God is speaking those powerful words of life, his love, forgiveness, and salvation. And his words have the power to convince us, to hold our hearts steady, and to reverberate in us that confession that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the bread of life who came down from heaven. God's word has the power to keep us in the faith through him. And through him we share in the victory over sin, Satan, and death. That's why we stand with St. Peter and the Twelve, who were once such a small group, but not always so small. The Holy Christian Church includes billions of saints, living and dead, who have stood with Jesus and proclaim, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. By the power of the Spirit of God, we believe that Jesus is the bread of life and that by feasting on him through faith, we receive his gift of eternal life. So the story is a warning for us not to fall away. But what comfort we find in that word to keep us with Jesus Consider his words, the Spirit is the one who gives life. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is given to him by my Father. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yes, God works powerfully through his word. He convinces us, he creates faith, and he keeps us strong. And if you understand that the only thing keeping you standing with Jesus rather than walking away from him is God working through his word, you will use that word. Hold on to him tight by holding on to his word. Stay with him by hearing his message. 
When God speaks to us so powerfully and creates faith, then we get a chance to speak too. Peter spoke. He confessed his faith saying, We know and have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Those few disciples who stayed with Jesus spoke for him. It was always Jesus' intention to speak through his followers. He is no longer visibly walking the earth to call attention to himself as the bread of life. He gives us that work to do. As another believer had explained in the Old Testament, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. We see Jesus, we see people speak their beliefs in many areas of life. Those people who have strong political views often can't help but bring them up, even when we wish they wouldn't. For years, and I'll add, this is Pastor Jenkins. For years, Pastor Jenkins endured fans of the Green Bay Packers projecting their allegiance through unceasingly and annoyingly, his words, not mine. <laughs> but he also mentions Bitcoin believers. Bitcoin believers, if you know them, they can't talk enough about their investments, at least when they're making money. If fans of football teams and Bitcoin, alternate currencies, are willing to speak up, how much more those who understand the value of the bread of life should speak up? It only makes sense that those who have eaten the bread of life will want to talk about him. And when we do, we should expect to experience what Jesus himself experienced, a fair amount of rejection. After all, we're speaking a message that offends human logic and pride. Most people will simply say, I can't accept it. And that's true. We can't accept God's word by ourselves, our own power. Those people will simply walk away. But some, by God's power working through his word, will stay and will eat the bread of life. You may not be able to speak for very many people in this world, but as a believer, you can speak for God. Jesus says that you are his royal priesthood and that whoever accepts you accepts me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. So do what Peter did. Speak your faith. Speak it here. Speak it out there. Speak it in your home. Here's something simple you might want to try. Starting tomorrow or even this afternoon, open your Bible to John chapter 1. If you read a chapter a day, you'll be through John's Gospel in three weeks. Find a quiet place where you're not too tired. Remove the distractions that are removable and concentrate. Slowly and carefully read it. And three weeks from now, you will have read the story of what Jesus did as your source of eternal life. You will understand your Savior and his work for you more completely. Through that message, God will work to draw you closer to your Savior. So let Jesus feed you the bread of life. Then speak what you believe. It can be difficult at first, so ask God for help. We'll be speaking those words together in just about a minute, but do it out there, too. Hear your Savior's words. Thank God for his words that keep you close to your Savior and share those words with others. Amen.